Welcome to Living the Authentic Life. I want you to meet my friend, Deborah Berry. We are new friends, but we are connected on so many different levels, from both growing up in Houston yes. to very um, strong entrepreneurial fathers yes, and strong true. husbands yes. and <laughs> journalism background. But our favorite titles, or our most beloved titles, are mother. Yes, absolutely. And um, this amazing woman, I have chills saying it, I might cry a little bit too, um, invested her passion and her heart into saving her daughter. And so many of us don't even realize that our kids need to be saved. There is like this, um, you've written this incredible book. Thank you. Um, the Tech Trap, and we are talking about social media and the World Wide Web and how even though our kids are safe in our home or safe at school, they're not safe. Right. So um, tell us a little bit about how you first became aware and the crazy young age that your daughter was. Right, right. So um, back in 2016, I was, I have three children, and this the kid that I'm talking about is the youngest out of all the kids. So back in 2016, she was 12 years old, and I was checking her social media, uh, like a lot of parents do. And so, um, was checking the Instagram. I wasn't very consistent, I have to admit, but Instagram, Facebook, well, they don't do Facebook, but the things that the kids were on. And was that's Snapchat then or not even really? She, I don't think uh, Snap, so. Snapchat, yes. Maybe Definitely not TikTok. TikTok no, was not up yet, but, yeah. or it wasn't the thing yet. So anyway, I did something that day that I didn't typically do, which was to go back in her photo library. And honestly, I was just doing it to amuse myself. Uh -huh. um, so I kept going back further and further and further until I came across some screenshots that she had taken of a conversation between her and some other people and I did not recognize the people in the conversation. Uh -huh. And I did not, uh, all, <laughs> in trying to process the dialogue, uh, it was very highly sexual charged um, words. I didn't even know that she knew these words. Uh -huh. So in that moment, I really realized that this was the tip of an iceberg and that uh, there was much more going on there and that I needed to try to figure out what that was. But intuitively, as a mom, I knew she was in trouble. And I love that you said you reached out to your son because he was slightly older and you asked him. <laughs> yeah. Because it is so hard because what they're going through is so different than what we are and we want to make sure we're not being crazy. Right. So uh, I have two older children. One, uh, my oldest is a, another daughter and she's nine years older than the one I'm talking about and then a son who's seven years older. So when I found these things, I called him, he was away at school, college, and asked him, how do you find a hidden app? Because for some reason in my mind, I felt like if I could resurrect the hidden app or figure out the hidden app, all the answers would lay beneath the hidden app. Yes. And uh, he said, I, I don't know, what do you, you know, what's up with that? And I said, well, your sister, and I found these things, and he goes, oh, mom, they all, this is what they do. 
This is mm -hmm. what they all do. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. So I sent him a couple of screenshots, and it was dialogue. It was nothing else but dialogue. Right, right. And he went, oh, no. So I did have validation Good. from him. And then when my older daughter came home from college, um, she got a hold of the laptop and was uh, was able to unearth, you know, the evidence, which I'm, you know, I'm not a tech person. So I did not know, you know, how to do any of that stuff. But that's that's where we were able to drill down and I was able to discover um, the depths of what was going on with her. So. And did you approach her immediately? Did you plan yeah. that conversation? How do you... Yeah. even venture into that? Um, I learned a long time ago just to take pause for a moment <laughs> and to yes. try to kind of get my thoughts together. And so I did call her in and I did, um, I actually tried to kind of bluff her because I had not found the rest of it yet. This We've is, done that a little yeah. bit with Bella. <laughs> Try, yeah, trying to bluff her out a little bit. and Ask questions, let them the just say, you know, I, f I found some things. We need to talk, you know, that kind of, th of a thing. And she just really held very strong. Um, she didn't know what I was talking about. She, you know, was very cool, put it that way. But she knew that you had access and you could look at any moment. Yeah. That was not hidden. And that's what I've said. I have the right to look at it. Right. From the moment she got Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And that's an important conversation that parents... No, uh, no such thing as privacy in the world of social media. You, you forget about trying to grant your children privacy in that arena because um, the, the price tag's too high on that. Completely agree with that. Yeah. So tell us more about the next steps, what happened. Well, so let, let me back up for a minute okay. and just say that she was already a sassy kid. Yep. A good kid, but you know, a, a fiery kid, a sassy kid, a confident kid. So it's like confident kid, meet internet, explosion. Yep. Not a good thing. Um, oh, one thing I would want to mention would be that when I found this, she was 12. And at that time, um, I, di I did not realize, I thought I had, I thought I was late to finding it because I could trace it back six, nine months. And the truth of it was, was I was two years late. What I found out later was that it actually had started at 10 years old. And I just could not even begin to, to comprehend the fact that at 10 years old that these things had already started. In fact, she was, um, she would have been in fourth grade, I believe, because I found it. Fourth in, grade. Fourth yeah, grade. You don't even think... Well, they, I, I we're working up it, toward that conversation, right? We're yeah. not there quite yet. We're working toward that conversation because yes. this was the first year of middle school that I actually found it. And fourth grade, I mean, you know, 10 years old, she, you know, she's a baby. Mm -hmm. So. And we also want to mention that she was in a school that was perceived to be a good school yeah. with good kids from good families. Absolutely. And that is completely a false narrative to ever presume because someone appears to have a good family. It's never safe to presume. It doesn't matter. 
Um, if your kid has technology in their hands, whether it's an iPad, whether it's a smartphone, mm -hmm. whether it's a, um, a laptop, it doesn't matter because this it can live anywhere. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in or who your parents are or any of these things. They're all vulnerable to this. So you mention it to her and what happens? What what were some of the first steps? Did you take social media away? Did you Absolutely. ground her? Like what what were some no, of the things? I did not ground her, but the, uh, okay. immediately I gathered up all the technology, all mm -hmm. of it, and I changed her phone number. So I just like tried to just like kill it on the spot. Yeah. But what uh, later on I also found out I forgot about the grave, my uh, technology graveyard as I call it, which is the old iPads, the old phones, the old things that, I don't know if you have a spot in your house. We do. You just discarded <laughs> stuff that doesn't work anymore. Right. You, you put them in that pile, and I, I forgot about that pile. And uh, I think she... Because they find a way. <laughs> I think she did find one and uh, was able to get it working and able to still to communicate, which um, I don't talk about any of that in the book, but I, that uh, technological graveyard, <laughs> you need to be care or be aware that you know these kids can still grab something and reactivate or whatever. So she's in sixth grade. So she was in sixth grade at that time. And uh, this happens? was April. Do you um, put her with the therapist to reach out to other people? We had already, as I mentioned, Sassy Girl. So yes. we had already kind of done some of those things, mm -hmm. and that was not very effective with her. So um, my goal at that moment was to figure out how to disrupt her behavior. Mm -hmm. how, uh, actually, my thoughts immediately went to summer's coming up, there's got to be what what kind of a program out there uh -huh. can can we really get down to these life skills? Uh -huh. Can we really get down to um, some real discipline or some you know aside from the discipline I offered, but like I don't know something that really like a solid wake up call with solid uh -huh. skill sets, and there really is was not anything, is what I found out. And so I did, um, I did a lot of research on the internet, which is all very confusing. Um, it is. It is very, it feels, it's a rabbit hole, mm -hmm. and you don't know what to trust. It's very hard to sort it out. So eventually I did um, end up with an educational consultant, which is someone that uh, takes in all the information about what's going on with your, your child and then um, helps place them in a program that would meet whatever needs or whatever's going on, address whatever's going on. It could be behavior. So not even just from a standpoint of what school you're going to, but there's consultants that can help you with that process as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. I didn't even realize that. Okay. I did not know it either. Um, I had no idea that existed. So you put in, what do you put in when you're looking for it? Educational, Educational consultant. consultant. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we meet with Farat education to help Bella figure out like next steps of what school, mm -hmm. but this is different. This would address like if somebody behavioral type issues yeah. or, um, you know, substance abuse type issues. Oh, okay. Or it could even be, uh, you know, learning issues where they can't learn in a, you know, a, a traditional environment where maybe you need something special. Oh, I, that's so great to know because I'm, I have, I feel like 
kids go through their teenage years, oh, they're just being teenagers. And we kind of, we don't, as parents, we don't know the boundary of when are they just being teenagers. I just had this conversation with a friend of mine. And when is it dangerous and we have to step in and create a completely different environment? I think it's really hard because mm -hmm. teenagers are teenagers, and mm -hmm. as they always have been. But what's more complicated about it is they, they do it on social media in real time and the consequences and potential dangers with that, the cost is so much higher. Uh, mm -hmm. If they make a mistake, it, it could cost them a lot versus when we were young and we didn't have these things. If we made a mistake, basically we made it. Wasn't it wasn't being recorded. We made it in private. For the world to know. Exactly. We made it in private. It would pass. You could maybe go to another school. They weren't all connected. Not everybody would know. And there's just no, there's no. Well, that's what's fascinating is I feel like my daughter knows people because of social media all mm -hmm. over the city. And I'm like, oh, I'm friends with that mom. Do you know when you were four, you had a play date together? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's just, how are you connected? And they're, okay, so what are you, what, what was your step? What was your first big step? So I, uh, we hired this educational consultant mm -hmm. and we went through that process. And um, so she came back with some recommendations mm -hmm. and it was kind of a, um, th there, was, there was a range of recommendations. And so the one that I zeroed in on was, were the wilderness programs. Mm -hmm. And I zeroed in on them because mm -hmm. they to me would, well, they're a disruptor. It would absolutely shut her down and it would keep her safe. So my biggest concern, because she had been interfacing with predators on the internet, which she, you know, thought obviously were friends or boyfriends, because that's what they do. They groom her. You've been yes. you're being groomed. And so by putting her into a wilderness program, they take all of your technology. You don't go into the wilderness with technology. So to me it was lose her potentially to the sex trade because all she had to do was walk out that door and meet one of these boyfriends mm -hmm. and she would be gone. Thank God that didn't happen, but uh, potentially that easily could have happened. And um, that or, you know, put her into a wilderness program and hope to straighten out and disrupt the behavior and figure out, you know, why, why are we doing what we're doing? And that was so brave of you. It, it was, thank you. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And because they, there's such a balance too between knowing your child's mental health and what's gonna push them over the edge and how rebellious they would be for you to do things. So I know I've had this inner battle with myself raising a child that also was spirited and was hanging out with people that were making choices that were not consistent with what's healthy mm -hmm. choices for an undeveloped brain. Right. Or even a developed brain. Um, but it isn't just who they hang out with, it's who they're exposed to. So you tell her she's going to wilderness camp and she doesn't say, Mom, I'm so excited. She pitches a fit. You have to remember she's 12. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she has no knowledge or any friends that have... Oh, been through it? She no. hasn't seen it? She doesn't even know? No. This is more of a proactive reaction versus a reactive reaction. 
Which again, so, so brave and so it's, bold. It's, um, which, which was really one part of the very tough part of it was, am I killing you know, yep. a mosquito with a sledgehammer? Because the truth is she's a victim. She's 10 years old, she's a victim. She's not, her curiosity is not wrong. It's just that she went into the wrong places and she got in over her head. So I, I would say, and always, if anybody asked me, I would say that I think it's best to get on the front end of it, which in hindsight uh, was, was very wise because you, I prevented other issues. Mm -hmm. In other words, I asked myself, should I, should I, we're not in the, you know, should I let this go into the ditch? She really hadn't done anything yet. Right. But yet at the same time, I could imagine drugs, alcohol, all kinds of things. Or even abduct abduction is an, an... Yes. Talking about sex trafficking, this is part of this process, right. this grooming, right. the different stages of grooming and the way that they reach out to these kids. And so the question was, yeah. was I willing to risk that? Not to mention, though, what we have, as, as I already said, um, you know, we'd, we'd been to some therapists. We'd already had some challenging, you know, behavioral things going on where her level of spiritedness <laughs> just kept ramping up because that's part of, you know, that's just part of her personality. And you want that to be directed <laughs> in, in a, right a positive way. way. Use your powers for good, not evil. <laughs> Amen to that. So you're driving her to wilderness camp, acting like it's summer camp. <laughs> right. So what I did was I needed her buy-in. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one night, you know, the decision had been made, and she obviously was not consulted on the decision. But you and your husband talked it through? Did you talk to the siblings? No. Okay. My, we made the decision. And so I went in her bedroom and laid down with her, and I was just um, telling her that, you know what, life's pretty miserable right about now. We're not... This is not what I wanted for us. We're fighting. Uh, you're, uh, you know, things are out of control. This is not good. And I think that you deserve an opportunity for a reset. And that reset would be this um, program for the summer, kind of like summer camp. So I, I did try to. I put the glossy brochure on it, which was, um, you know, you'll get to live outside and it'll be cool and you'll be looking at the stars and you'll learn how to camp and start a fire and it's going to be really cool. And she, you know, she did buy in. So, but that is not, that's not what that looks like in reality. It's a latrine. It's, it's sleeping it, on the ground. It's not a latrine. It's a hole in the ground. Oh, yes. It's a hole in the ground. That you've dug yourself? That you've dug yourself. Wow. It's, um, which I really, I did not, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Because it's not but like. it's probably best that you didn't know. <laughs> it, I would say it was, it would have increased the burden of that decision. Yep. If I had known in advance all of the detail. I knew enough of the detail, but um, it would have made it, you just almost can't put your head around it. But I had mentioned to you, we have friends that live in Carmel, and they make this part of the seniors there, or the juniors' journey, is they send them out into the wilderness for a week. They couldn't bring a toothbrush or a deodorant or a breath, like nothing 
and you're in the elements. And I thought that was an interesting thing that being sort of, um, we always look to the past and think, what have we lost? And the way that we've come forward and there must be something to this. Well, I think what it does is it cuts out all the noise. And our society is full of noise. It's very fast. It's social media. It's technology. It's, there's a lot going on in our society. And so when you take somebody and you put them into this sort of a setting and you take all those things away, there's two or three elements going on here. It's called survival. <laughs> And it's called being one with nature and having to be quiet enough so that you reconnect with who you are in a very authentic way, which I, I, the wilderness programs to me are amazing. They are amazing. And this might sound a little controversial. If I could put every child in this country into a wilderness program for one summer, she was gone for 90 days, by the way. I didn't get to talk to her or anything. But for 90 days, we would have a different country. Uh, we would. Because they would have an opportunity to cut the noise and to really understand that they can, you know, who they are, where they're going, that, that they are capable of surviving, that they're capable with cooperating within nature in order to survive. And it's very black and white. Mm -hmm. Either you do what you need to do or you don't. And if you don't, then there's consequences. It's nothing personal. You don't, you, if you don't hang your food from the tree, then you're not gonna have food. <laughs> it's, it's just very simple. So she, you pick her up from wilderness camp and she runs to hug you or she's I mad don't pick, at you? I don't pick her up from wilderness camp. Okay. She goes on to therapeutic boarding school, which, um, you know, I, it's, it's one bite at a time. It is, it's so overwhelming. It's so upsetting, the whole thing. It's so, you know, I didn't expect, I didn't have this little baby <laughs> expecting to send her off to a wilderness program and not see her for four years. I mean, I, I did see her for four years on and off, but what I'm saying is I didn't expect not to raise her for a period of her life because I turned her over to other people. But she went on to a therapeutic boarding school and the reason why was because the work had just begun. I mean, all that did was kind of give her a reset disrupt it now we got it now we got to dive in and deal with it now we have to relearn what we're doing the the biggest mistake would have been to take her and put her back back Into in the all school the all the noise it would have unraveled in about two minutes flat mm -hmm. because they're not they're not 90-day solutions they're only the beginning mm -hmm. of a solution so so she's at therapeutic boarding camp, boarding school. Yes. And you, how did the first few meetings when you connected with her? Tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, it or was talking really, on the phone. I, yeah. Um, yeah, it was really hard because they, uh, I did get to see her in the wilderness toward the very end. Okay. She was there for 90 days. We were invited out, I think about 
85th day or something. I mean, yeah, 85th day just for a couple of hours to see her. And then um, we had it arranged where the therapeutic boarding school, their therapist came out into the wilderness, connected with her, and then they went together over to the therapeutic boarding oh, school. Oh, okay. So that's how that went. Um, but what was really hard was that she thought after the wilderness program that she would be coming home and going back into school. And that's not what happened. And so we had to tell her, no, you're going to therapy. And that was really hard. And she was 12 and she was turning 13. And so what was really difficult about that was here comes her 13th birthday. And it's, it's gone. It's gone. But she wasn't gone. No, she wasn't gone, but the dream, the dream was gone. The Again, dream of the big 13th birthday you, party was yeah. gone. And you made a choice to focus on your commitment to her life and to her long, successful life instead of what felt comfortable to you at the moment. Right. And hard choices were all subjected to these hard choices and what we choose for our children affects them forever. Well, um, the hardest decision of all, I mean, I don't think I've ever made such a tough decision in my life to let her go. Mm -hmm. um, I was a stay-at-home mom. I took a lot of pride in my home, in raising my kids, yes. in doing a good job with all of that. And, you know, to feel as if I had failed or that I was incapable of handling the situation was, you know, really affected my, really affected me. But what it got down to was that I kind of had to surrender my mother ego and get over that for her or there wasn't gonna be any her. So the decision to, to do these things, I know in hindsight that if I had not, I might have my daughter today, but I wouldn't have the, the daughter I have today. <laughs> and I'm sure she would be hell on wheels. If, if this had not been disrupted and addressed, it just would have ramped up. And, um, I'm happy to say that, that, you know, we've had a very good result. So when did you decide to write the book? Well, so during those almost four years, they did not have technology, which was fantastic. Meaning um, the kids at this therapeutic boarding school right. did not. It was like an isolation booth. Nobody had it. I mean, nothing. And they had to talk to people they sat across <laughs> the table from? I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> they had to, they had to you know it was interesting they had to talk to people uh, the roommate situation you didn't necessarily get to pick your roommate if you got in a fight or disagreement um, you did have to get this all worked out wow and uh, you didn't get to run home or hide or any of those things so there was there's no escape basically so she's come out with some very excellent people skill skills yes <laughs> and so uh, but anyway there was no technology mm -hmm. so and I knew 
that they, that she would be coming home at some point. Mm-hmm. And I all of a sudden realized she'd been placed on technological ice, as I put it, um, and that I didn't know I wasn't going to be able to recreate this vacuum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that she'd come into my home, and I mean, this whole thing could be totally undone in about two seconds flat. And you know, had had the therapist really addressed the issues around social media and these kids, or had they addressed the symptoms of it? You know, the the behaviors that came as a result of being on social media. And but did they really look at you know? Did my daughter understand how social media was put together? Did she understand uh, the impact on her brain? Did she understand how the predators work? Did she understand the laws around that and that? taking a picture of yourself and sending it to somebody else legally is a problem. Uh-huh. And um, I, I didn't really believe that she did. So before she left, I had, a, I had a parent coach during this whole process, which was really a great, great thing because the parent coach was really my advocate. When uh-huh. I didn't know where to press or what to do, she would just sort of guide me through, you need to talk to you know, this person and then you need to do this and the other thing. So um, she suggested that I press this issue of technology with her therapist, my daughter's therapist, before leaving the boarding school. And I'm like, ah, good, okay. So I got on the internet and I started, I didn't know specifically what I wanted Uh her to address. So I started researching. And in that researching process, I was stunned. I mean, I came up with a stack of research this big. And I started putting it into different sections, and it uh-huh. ended up like in 10 different sections. Um, you know, statistics, like I mentioned, impact on the brain, so on and so forth. And so, and then I kind of organized those in units, is what I was calling them. And I was going to march over to that boarding school, and with my session that I had with her once a week, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, we're going to talk about these stats, and then I'm going to make sure that you know. So my idea was that you're going to get, edu- you're going to, I'm going to raise awareness and you are going to be educated and if you go back to doing what you were doing I, I can't help you with that but but I've given you all the tools you you've you've made uh, you know you have yes you have all the information you need so at least you make an educated bad decision uh-huh. at the very at the very least so that's what happened so all that information was so compelling that honestly it felt really wrong not to share it. Beautiful. So that is the core of the book, uh-huh. is, is this, whole, this whole research effort. But then I felt like I needed to go back and to explain uh-huh. how, how, this came how I found myself in yes. the shoes. So that is the first part of the book, which is called The Journey. Uh-huh. And it is unique in the fact that it is, fra- it is through my eyes. Um, it is through a mom's eyes of between discovery, what to do, blaming myself. Yes, we do that. You know, the weight of these decisions, mm-hmm. taking her to the field house for the wilderness program, turning around and walking away. And being, you know, being held responsible the ultimate responsibility for this person's life, mm-hmm. and am I making the right decisions? 
So that is the first part of the book. Then we have the technology, and then the last part is, God forbid you find yourself in these shoes. Here are the resources. Mm -hmm. This is what a wilderness program is. This is who you call. This is where you look. These are the questions you ask. Because I didn't know any of those things. It's, it's like landing on Mars. I didn't have a clue. And it's not exactly something people want to talk about. No. <laughs> it lunch. is not. No. So. <laughs> well, fighting sex it's trafficking, hard. I find that it's even hard to talk to moms in middle school. They just, oh, well, that doesn't happen in our school. And then I found out it had happened at River Oaks Baptist. But the family whose daughter was groomed and lured away wasn't even naming it trafficking. But it was actually the aunt that told me yeah. that it was trafficking because, um, and so uh, it's, it's hard. I shared with you, um, but I believe Bellette was approached by someone on social media. She didn't show it to me, she told me later but because I'd been connected with her so much about trafficking at such a young age, she saw it as a red flag, but easily could have been. Somebody want, was a boy that lived in Dallas that wanted to fly in and go meet her at the Galleria. Right. All the signs. And I truly believe she's been on a very challenging mental health journey and emotional and physical pain, but I believe that saved her from her path mm -hmm. of because she's so curious and feels like she's so smart and no one's going to get right. her. And she's she, that wouldn't happen. It couldn't possibly happen. But um, I just see you as so brave. There's um, it's not what most moms would do. So to live in our circles and, and make that choice, you had to really... You have to be willing to step away. You and have there's to a be, lot of judgment. How could yeah. you let someone else raise your child like that? Right. When you're like, oh my God, I, and it, it's, it's, it's not... It's hard to understand. It's very hard to understand it or to even believe it until you find yourself in the shoes. Yes. It's very hard, and so I don't, you know, I, I get that. But I, I do want to say something. It is so easy, just like any one of us, uh, this goes back to the technology, could easily Google or search um, how to do something. Yes. Um, how to bake a potato, you know, like, oh, I forgot the temperature and the time in the oven, whatever. So we do it all the time. We just, you know, talk into the phone. Yes. Siri. <laughs> get, get the answer, right? Yes. Well, these kids are no different. So when they have a curious question, and it could be about sex or drugs or something that they would not necessarily be willing to ask of a parent, mm -hmm. all they have to do is do a search, and they get an answer. So I think if parents can recognize that and remember that, that's how simple it is. That's how, I mean, it's so dynamic. That could be one way. Another way could be social media and friend of a friend. I mean, these people, they, oh, these yeah, they're, predators they're are. They're latching on to kids, and a part of what they do is give luxury things, give 
handbags or just give alcohol to underage kids or give right. them drugs to try. I mean, there's there's so many ways to just lure them and they do right. it oftentimes through the cheerleader or the guy on the football team. Right. It's not someone, when I've seen those images of, of all these people, who's the trafficker? <laughs> right. You're like, the cheerleader mom's the trafficker? Yeah. It's kind of, it's it's a surprising thing and we don't, people don't look like, they're not the guy and the, the drug dealer in the car. I mean, it could be. It, it's it's a different type, you know, we do the stranger danger talk. Yes. That we, it's, it's a different thing. It's far more complex, far more uh, sophisticated. These kids don't have a chance because these organizations uh, they're criminal organizations, and they've got it all over these kids. It, it is organized crime. Yes. It is a thought out. It is like investing into growing marijuana. Is They're mm -hmm. investing into grooming kids several years to get them in because they can sell a child more times than they could sell a drug. Absolutely. And I, you know... Even though my daughter was not physically trafficked, I would say that she was trafficked. I don't know where those pictures or videos are. Yes, because people are just paying to see things. And there's, the, there's somewhere. I'm sure somebody paid for something. <laughs> so. And these kids at a young age, I thought, again, good school, good kids, good families. But then I hear that it's commonplace or the kids want to make it feel like it's commonplace to share photos. And it could be very subtle at first and then move into something yeah. more. Yeah, and you're talking about what the kids do amongst themselves. Yes, they're yeah. just trading pictures. Yeah. Yeah. So then it doesn't feel weird to take a picture in your bathing suit right. or to maybe take the shoulder off of the bathing suit. Well, when you're in the privacy of your your home behind a closed door, you don't really, I mean, you're comfortable, right? But you're not alone because this is with you or your smartphone is with you. Yes. And they, they don't have the cognitive development to really, truly understand that. I don't, you know, even adults, it's, it's not easy for us to comprehend the depths of this and the possibilities of everything that can go wrong. Well, I've noticed recently something I searched or somehow in the last three weeks I get text, sexual text from ran random numbers mm -hmm. asking me for a good time or fun or something. I've had those too. And I think, what have I done? <laughs> I'm like the biggest person fighting trafficking, obviously married and right. not Not open. looking for that. <laughs> not looking for that. So I just, I find it, so if it's happening to me and then I'll mention it to Bella and she'll say, oh yeah, I get those all the time. And yeah. you're thinking, you get those all the time? Yeah, they do. They do. And if you get a kid that is depressed or having anxiety or having a hard time at school, that represents a connection. It does. I mean, these, I just feel really bad for these kids because the, their world is extremely complicated and it is really 
I think challenging for us as parents mm -hmm. to try to know what to do in terms of you know keeping them safe and to know what age to start well, I mean, if yeah. they have a smartphone and you're gonna give them a smartphone at one no bad at mistake. three I mean like, what, when do you give it to them when do you give them a smartphone and to me that's when you have to have the conversation and if you're not ready to have a sexual conversation with your child it's a little too early right to give them a phone right right uh, well, if I could go back and I could do it again, mm -hmm. I gave, I will admit it, uh, put that phone in her hands at age 10, mm -hmm. which as we'll recall the beginning of the conversation, which is when this started, was age 10. The, exactly. That's no coincidence. <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> but, um, but I did it too. I'm not so, standing in judgment over you. There was this tremendous pressure and everybody's doing it, everybody right. has it, and I can't talk to them if they don't have it. Right. But then I found out there was a group that wasn't doing it. So I do believe in this wait till eighth, there's a very... Yes, I'm aware great. of it, yes. So I would say if I could go back and do it again, I would definitely delay it as long as possible. And mm -hmm. you know that would probably have made me somewhat unpopular uh, with her amongst her friends, obviously, but you know, we got to get back to being the parent. We got to be get back to being willing to make the tough decisions for the protection and the good of your child. And I would have, you know, delayed it as long as possible, and ideally maybe given it to her at 14, which I know is, sounds really late, but it would have been four more years worth of development, four more years worth of knowledge, experience, so forth, which might have led to better decisions on her part. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, but there's a huge difference between a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old. Huge difference. Yeah. Uh, and I want to go back to this making a hard decision as a mom. Someone recently who was more of an unconventional um, therapist that we went to, he said to me when I said, well, Bella doesn't really want to come. So I'll see if she'll con she's going to come. I'm, I'm going to come by myself probably. And he said, you are the mother mm -hmm. and you are in charge. And if you tell her she's coming and you make that decision and you're certain about it, she will come. Right. And she did. And when I changed that and I, I want to tell parents that it's our uncertainty that makes our kids uncertain. And when we can become focused on what our purpose is and their purpose is and mm -hmm. what our job is as parents, they will hear us more clearly because we will be more consistent and they will know where we stand on everything and then they can be more certain when they're making decisions. I would agree. And children have parents for a reason. <laughs> it's to guide them. It's to do exactly what you're talking about. And, and we, we're I, going I into this. this oh, well, I want her to like me, and I don't want to no. upset her, and I yeah. don't want her to, to feel bad. And it, but we think back to the way it was when we were growing up. Oh, my God, did we have a choice? If we were having a bad day or depressed, did that matter to our parents? We hustled. We did our chores. We didn't get out of it. It, it was a different <laughs> mindset. So could you have imagined your dad going to you and saying, 
Donay, I, you know, I really think maybe you should see a therapist. What do you think? Or you, <laughs> you know, you haven't been behaving right. What should I do? Do you think it's fair to take your phone away from you? What do you think? No. No. <laughs> he very, right. He very clearly he would have said, well, and he wouldn't have taken me to therapist. He just would have said, get over it. Right. Because at the time there weren't books, there weren't therapists. Right. Which do have a place. Don't, do, yes. don't get me I wrong on that. I completely support that. The point is, the point is, your, our parents knew who they were. They were the parent. Yes. That's the point. Now, did they do everything right? No. Do we do everything right? No. I think they were somewhat one extreme. A lot of us have become the other extreme. Right. So there's somewhere in the middle of this. There's a balance in this, right? Yes, absolutely. So, but I think you're the parent. Remember, you're the parent. Yep. You're the guide. Mm -hmm. You're the mentor. You lead. It's not a group discussion. <laughs> so, it's not. And when I'm more certain for her, I mean, there are things I ask her opinion on um, but when I'm more certain about what's happening, um, then it's good. And the other thing we've adopted is if we come up with something like you can't be on your phone until after it, at nine o'clock and your phone has to be outside your room mm -hmm. and she felt it should be nine thirty or 10, she would go on the internet and research and give us statistics and analysis and then we would be open to considering I it think then. that's fair. Because it was a fact-based proposal and yeah. not a whining, demanding. I think that's fair, but ultimately. You still decide, you even just, if all the statistics right. don't line up. As parents, we get to decide. No, I think that um, when, when children are able to make a good critical argument for something, yep. That's a great life skill. And, it is. And listening to them, I think, is smart. And But ultimately, you make the decision. So let's talk about you're coming next week yes. to speak at the Houston 20 luncheon, and there's still seats available. You can go to fightforus.org. But also, um, I'm already started recommending you to go speak to groups. Oh, thank you. Um, my husband's uh, Whitehall group, I believe, is going to reach out to you because I think we haven't talked a lot about husbands, but we as women oftentimes take this role on. A friend of mine is having trouble with their son, and she said, I'm letting my husband lead. And I go, oh, no, girl, <laughs> you lead. She's like, really? And I said, yes. They, mm -hmm. I, that's, and and I don't want to get into people's marriages, but that's kind of what we decided. Rob is makes choices in the business, and when it comes to home, I have a better understanding, and that's my responsibility. Right, and my situation was traditional like that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say that men and women are different, and they have different strengths. Both of the strengths are very necessary in the process. In other words, um, as a mom, there's a certain intuition that moms in general tend to have. It's not to say that dads don't have intuition. Mm -hmm. They do have instincts, but in other ways. Women, just, just in general, don't want to you know, stereotype, stereotype anybody, right. but we know. We just know. There are babies. We know. So I think leading from that aspect, leading from the fact that you have an uneasy feeling, you know that this is not going to go well. So you lead from that mm -hmm. place. Your husband or, you know, 
they they provide they tend to provide right and this is again a very traditional type situation because women provide as well we have career women as well as yes okay and, and women but can I, and are both and someone has to take them to all their appointments and their doctors <laughs> and their yeah but um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is my husband did not necessarily take on the same emotional burden that I took on with my daughter but for a lot of reasons he's not built that way and yes. if he had sat in this to the degree that I sat in it oh, it would have been difficult to get up and go to work yes and do that 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 was very much needed I mean you know we had to keep going we, we couldn't both be sitting there so it was like a divide and conquer Yes. With each of us bringing our separate strengths to the situation. My strength was that of a mother. His strength was that of a provider. And that's, that's really how, that's just honest. That's just how it went. And you've been married for 29 years. 29 years, yeah. And we've been together for 17. And I've finally in the last few years with COVID, we had a lot more time together, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> And I've realized that you get more connection in your marriage when you approach things with love and kindness. Right. And oftentimes I would be disappointed because he wouldn't react the way I wanted him to react to right. fulfill my pain over being a mother. Mm -hmm but I have to allow him to separately have his emotion and respect that because right. I need that Right. while I'm over here having all my emotions. Right. Which right. is really all, the same thing you're saying in just a different way. It all works out. It all works out. Now, what we went through was, was very stressful. Yes. And, and it was over a long period of time. And yes. it's not uncommon. Uh, for marriage is not to necessarily survive. Yes. Um, we did survive, and, you know, it all worked out just fine. I'm not going to say it wasn't easy, mm -hmm. uh, or that it was easy, rather. It was not easy at all. Uh, but, you know, I understood his passion toward that situation was as strong as mine, even though we didn't always necessarily agree on the direction. Or on... Um, the way you were processing it. Right. And, you know, when you have a kid in a therapeutic boarding school, what ends up happening is you have a, a meeting once a week. You get on, you have a therapy session, family therapy session. They also mm -hmm. have individual sessions with the, the kids. But right. anyway, so once a week as a parent, you could expect to be on a call with a mm -hmm. therapist and your daughter or your son. And that is really hard to take that call week after week after week. And at some point, some people might say, well, I'm not the one in therapy, which every therapist out there I'm sure wants to kill me because it is a family issue. I'm not saying that. Yes. But when, when somebody is checked out, let them, you know, don't, don't, Oh, gosh, this is not going to go right. <laughs> if if your husband is checked out of that process at that time, give him that space. That's totally what I'm trying agree. to There's say. There's been a lot of therapy sessions that Bella and I had without Rob there. Give him the that space. That were successful and actually gave her more moments 
to express in a way that she couldn't have with him. So initially, I felt like it, he wasn't valuing it as important as, oh, do you think that work's more important than this? But there are moments that you have to let right. that happen as part of the journey. And I work, completely yeah. agree 100%. Okay, so work is important too. But yes. like I said, I get uh, that boils down to giving a person space when they need the space. And for what they can handle emotionally. For what they can handle. Because for, it affects probably your other kids and the relationship of the entire family. 100%. 100%. And I think that... Um, for me, a lot of my driving force was my intuition, trusting myself. Yes. Uh, starting but from that's being clear on who you are too and yes. what values you have for your family. Yes. And I feel like every really strong family has, again, a woman that's clear on what the focus is for the family, and that right. the husband will allow her to make decisions in that realm. That there, there's, there's a, a core. Partnership there, there's someone in that, that, that tribe <laughs> that is anchoring it. and leading the tribe. Um, you know, when it comes to, to kids, a lot of times it is a mom. Yes. Uh, sometimes it could be the father. But, it could be. Because I, I really don't want to throw poor dads under the bus. But I guess, you know, recognizing men and women, we're not the same. Right. We don't work the same. We don't process information the same. We don't feel our emotions the same. So, and to, to respect that. And that's okay. We're not, he doesn't have to feel exactly like I felt. He doesn't have to, you know. But there are days I wanted you to, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like he ever watches my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he might be like my husband, too, which is how many times do we need to go over this? Call your mother or call your friend. I know. <laughs> because, and I, as many times as I need to go over this, right? I so that's know. what girlfriends are for. Amen to that. <laughs> well, I feel like you're my girlfriend. We connected on so many different levels. Yes, it was we have. Absolutely crazy. And um, I, um, I love your commitment Thanks. to do the work to save your family. It was worth it. It was worth it. And if I can inspire anybody or, you know, say anything that might make a difference, I'm just... I, that's that's my hope. That's my heart. Well, we appreciate you. Where can they buy your book, and how can they find out more about you? I have a website called um, thetechtrapmovement.com. Um, you can get the book off of that, or you can get it off of Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or you can just search The Tech Trap, Deborah Berry, and it will all pop up. Fabulous. So, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, until we meet again.